the original man of mystery. We are the SpyFi guys, and this is In Like Flint. Welcome to the SpyFi guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And welcome to part two of our Swinging 60s Spy Summer. All this summer, we'll be breaking with our usual formula to cover exclusively fictional spy movies and TV shows made or set during the golden age of spy cinema, the 1960s. So grab your go-go boots and put on your ascot, because it's time to get groovy. All right, Zach, so what do we have this week? This week, we have In Like Flint, which, would you call this a, a parody of James Bond or what? I would say it's definitely inspired by James Bond. But yeah, I guess you would call it a spy farce. So for those of you who tuned in last week, we covered Casino Royale from 1967. And that seemed more like they were actively making fun of all the tropes of James Bond. Yeah, and this one actually came out the same year, 1967. My theory is that it's like Captain Marvel to Superman. Okay? So for those of you who have seen Shazam... You mean the DC version of Captain Marvel? Yes. Okay. So... Back in the day, back in the golden age of comics, <laughs> Captain Marvel at one point sold better than Superman. And because he's a superhero, but he's also like funny and goofy. Now, the James Bond movies always have kind of a sardonic wit to it. Usually it's after he kills somebody and has a one liner. Whereas this one, I feel like is trying to be more traditionally goofy and funny. Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, whenever we get to it, so you notice that, well, like this and Casino Royale came out in 67, but so did the Bond, the official Bond movie, He Only Lived Twice. And the tone is almost similar, so it may have just been something in the either at that time. I mean, 66 Batman had just come out, so that was in, you know, the mindset. That's fair. There's a lot of points in this movie that reminded me of Batman. Don't they yeah. even mention Batman at some point? They do. This is actually the second movie in, this is a sequel to Our Man Flint. Which yes. we're not covering. We're covering just this movie. but And I'll give my reasoning for it in a few weeks. So I've actually seen Our Man Flint, and I remember mm-hmm. very little about it. Okay. I will bring up the parts that I do remember okay. when they become relevant. All right, so let's get into it. I've got the synopsis here from IMDb. All right. Super spy Flint takes on a cabal of women plotting to rule the world. I guess that's partially accurate. <laughs> All right, so when we get into it, we go into this credit scene. It's steamy. Do you see what I did there? It's steamy. <laughs> uh, but I, at first I was like, "What is this? Is this an NC-17 movie? Because I was like, there's definitely... I think it's even more erotic than most James Bond openings. Yeah, but you see a lot of le- like outlines of legs and everything. And, and then we start to see masseuse, what I thought. And... It, we find out that we're like in a women's gym or spa. Um, my wife called it the ladies wellness center. Sure. All that sounds accurate to me. Um, but the first hint that we get to that, that something's up here is like, you know, you have someone who's like handing out towels or something and she goes over and like there's a, to a statue and there's a phone hidden inside. We don't know who she's talking to or what, or what's going on. But the fact that there's hidden phones, like, okay, something's up. We get our first reference to Batman. It made me think of the head with the button inside. Yes. I mean, they're statue of William Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah. Batman's phone is in sequel secret, but he has secret phones hidden in secret Mm -hmm. things and so on. 
And so we meet uh, one of our main character who's I don't know if we like we only get her name really in passing. It's Lisa, is that? Yeah, it's Lisa Norman, but I I couldn't keep track of it until much later. I had to look it up. Yeah, a lot of these movies they don't say people's names very often, except for Flint, which they never stop saying. <laughs> but yeah, so we meet Lisa Norman. Um, and she's you know looking out over the beach. So this is like I guess we find out at some point, but we'll just say it now that's in the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. And so she's looking out onto the water, and then she like r- you know takes off her sandals, runs into the wa- into the water, and goes to this other secure area, which made me think, all right. She needs to do that every time. She needs to get into that other area. Like, how many pairs of pants does she get soaked or as she goes through that every single day? Multiple times a day. Grace, you pay for secrecy. <laughs> they can't track her that way. No tracks. True. It's true. Good point. But so she uh, goes into this other office area, and there's, like, all these different people. Well, not people. All these different women who seem to be experts in, like, you know, seamstresses, marketing, etc. Yes, they're all... They're all high-powered, but they're all in, like, women's jobs. And now making finger quotes there. I think Lisa herself is a fashion mogul, because of course ah, she is. that's right. Yeah, and so they're all watching. Like, they, she goes out onto the balcony, and a bunch of them are all watching, or looking through telescopes, watching a rocket launch. Mm-hmm. And then they're watching it on a TV inside the, inside the office. And we get on the TV the announcement of the first manned space platform in orbit. Yeah, it's like Moonraker. Pretty cool. <laughs> and you know he's going to be going to space at some point. <laughs> and so apparently it's a scientific laboratory, and the project's headed by Mr. Cramden, who, was he in the previous movie? I don't remember him, okay. but I wouldn't be surprised. He seems yeah. the kind of character who crosses over throughout the series. Yeah. And so we you know, go with him for... And he gets a congratulatory phone call from the president, says, you know, let's go play golf tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the office. Of, and so I get—I don't know if we find this out it's here or, or if it's only later on that we discover the name of this place. The name of the place in the Virgin Islands or somewhere yeah, else? the place in the Virgin Islands. Fantastic Face, is that what it was? Yeah, they talk about it later as well. I think this is probably the right point yeah so just because i just kept referring to it as the day spa but mm-hmm. fantastic face is the name of it and so we go back to there into the office and we have you know someone some a woman wheeling in a guy on a wheelchair who has all these head bandages on apparently it's taken 37 operations and he had himself surgically plastically altered to look like the president yes <laughs> he did and it's like batman hush it's like an episode of the twilight zone <laughs> we just had robot doubles and so now it's plastic surgery doubles they keep referring to operation duffer which i don't think we ever find out what operation duffer really is it's the plan to impersonate the president take okay. his place okay that's that's my read makes sense and we also cut to the space uh do we ever get a name for the space platform or just called space it's just I called think it's the space, called the space platform, platform okay. yeah so we cut to there, and the astronauts there are female, and they're speaking Russian, so I guess they're cosmonauts, not astronauts. But Oh, yeah. I always like cosmonauts better. <laughs> Such a cool name. Oh, yeah. It's like you're going to the cosmos, not the astros. And then... Or whatever. We... <laughs> and then we cut to Washington, D.C. And Looks this familiar. is the first ridiculous scene in the movie. <laughs> is it? I think so. Everything else is a le- you know, kind of sexist, but at least pretty grounded in reality. I don't know. Do you 
Do your the spas you go to have hidden phones in them? I'm not invited to spas like that. I presume <laughs> they exist in real life, though. <laughs> All right. So and the president playing golf with Cramden, and you know apparently Cramden's swing is off. So you've gone golfing with me, or at least a top golf with me, right? Sure. I don't know the timing. Well, I guess it, 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 there's probably an aspect to it, but I've never seen that where you like time some how long someone takes in a swing. So that's interesting. Nope. Maybe it was like the old school method of doing it, where it was it less be. about technique, <laughs> more about that. This also reminds me of esports. I don't know how into esports you are. Not so, really, no. When I used to watch professional Star it would be like, all right, by 30 seconds, you need to have your fifth SCV, and by two minutes, you need to have <laughs> your, your first barracks. And I'm like, I'm not going to deal with this. That's how I knew I was never going to try to get good at StarCraft. <laughs> All right. So, but so he has a timer and he's like timing the president's swing and vice versa. So they see how you know how how fast their swings are going. Guy in a wheelchair and two people who are supposed to be like young boys, but it's definitely clear that they're women dressed up mm-hmm. as like boys, right? So they come up and they like ask for autographs and and this is where we get our second or, or well. First, second reference, but first mention of Batman. <laughs> yeah. This is where he's like, you know, it's the only, it's you know, almost as cool as meeting Batman. Yeah, or his autograph is almost as valuable yeah. as Batman's, something like that. Yeah, so they get some autographed golf balls, and then they say, hey, and they, you know, give them golf balls in return. So it puts it, you know, replaces the golf balls that they took from them. You know, I guess this isn't that ridiculous, because back in the more innocent era of the 60s, they would be like, oh, yeah, we can use this golf ball. It's definitely not going to explode or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So once the girl or, well, the kids and the guy in the wheelchair who's supposed to be like their grandpa leave, the president starts to swing, he times it, and what is his name? Crammed it? Crammed it. Oh, you call him Lloyd. Lloyd. Lloyd is better. Yes, Lloyd is much That's easier. much better. <laughs> So Lloyd is timing him. Mm -hmm. President takes a swing, hits the golf ball, and it explodes in a puff of smoke, which is a real thing you can like you can buy gag golf balls that do this. Oh really? That's pretty funny. I've never actually tried it, and I've always wanted to, but haven't actually tried it. But I assume that the ones you can buy in stores. I don't think the top golf people would appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I would try it myself. I wouldn't do it onto someone else. That would just be mean. Yeah. I'm not mean-spirited enough to do pranks like that, I don't think. Anyway, so, this is a special exploding golf ball because it causes everyone to freeze in place. Yeah. So, President Lloyd, the Secret Service, they're all frozen in place. The grandpa in the wheelchair is actually the guy who had himself surgically altered to look like the president. Uh He, like, removes some makeup and a hat and stuff and, like, trades places with the president. They take the real president, a helicopter lands... And takes the present and the gir- and the girls who are dressed up as boys, and then they all go away, and then everyone gets to the place, and then he the fake president swings, and they do this all in three minutes, which I didn't realize until like I just read them. I know I was like, oh, that was just, like three minutes unaccounted for. It's like the pilot of the X Files was when people would get abducted by aliens, they'd be like, I have five hours that I can't account for, and it's like DC identity crisis when Zatanna mind wipes Batman. Uh-huh. And he's like, I have 10 minutes that I can't remember. Like, he remembers every 10 minutes of his life. He has, like, a photographic <laughs> memory. But I do like how Lloyd is like, I can't remember these three minutes, and I'm not going to rest until I figure out what's going on. I thought that was cool. And I really yeah. didn't like Lloyd. I found him really annoying. <laughs> but that part right. was good. All right. I like that they had a way for them, like, a reasonable explanation for, all right, we have these three minutes unaccounted for. But also, well, the timing to do that all in three minutes. I'm impressed. Yeah. Well, they're professionals. Mm-hmm. But I, I do like how that's how they were able to start to like figure it out. 
Yeah. That the bad guys didn't account for them timing their golf swings. <laughs> Maybe we should start timing our golf swings once we go back out. Nah, I'm good. I wasn't even willing to do that with StarCraft, let alone with golf. <laughs> All right, so he says, I need to see Flint. This is Lloyd, by the way. Lloyd says, right. I need to see Flint. Give me the book on dogs. It's like, oh, All yeah, right, what's that dogs. about? <laughs> and then we cut back to... Uh, fabulous face where they are also read well they're reading something else but it's a file on flint and they say, are what is weaknesses and he says they say he has three of them and we don't know what that means yeah we do we well, figure we, it out we do but not yet not yet i'm just i'm just going along with the movie no, right, no so. i know i know but i was like are they going to be like cool weaknesses are they going to be like he's allergic to peanuts something I actually thought, useful well so i because this movie is very much in the james bond vein mm-hmm. I th- and if you one of the novels, I think it's from Russia with Love. They actually have you know the Russian uh, Operation Smirsh acting against James Bond, mm-hmm. and they say he has weakness. His weaknesses are right, you know he dr- you know he gambles, uh, he drinks, and women. So it's like, huh? I wonder if it's gonna be like that. Three weaknesses. I guess those sort of qualify as weaknesses. It's a way to get close to him. Yeah. Anyway, so but should we g- next go to. Uh, Lloyd, he's reading the book about dogs in the elevator, and he gets up to the apartment, and there's a dog right there <laughs> in front of well, him. There's two dogs. Oh, yeah. There's, there's two dogs flanking the the elevator. And then there's a German <laughs> Shepherd that like grabs him by the hand. I and like drags this. him over. That's, that was funny. I like more dogs in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are three women who are talking uh, with Lisa from Fantabulous. Fan- Fantabulous face, yeah, that's right. Is it fantabulous? No, it's fantastic face. Thank you, fantastic. I may have said fantabulous earlier. Or is it fabulous? Wait, is it fabulous face? Don't know. Hold on, let. let, I need. I need to know. Uh, I'm going to say it's fantastic face while we're looking it up. That's my final answer. (laughs) Fabulous face. Dang it. Okay. (laughs) So these three women are in. It's not the same women. It's three different women. Or maybe four? Apparently five. Five? Okay, so I call them his harem, because they, like, live with them and, like, follow him around. I refer to him as their, his assistants. Look, I know, it, I know it's sexist. This movie's sexist. They are a harem, okay? But, okay, so I was never clear on what they, like, were they, they're all living with them, but you never see him be, like, overly, like, romantic, like, you never see him sleep with any of them or anything like that. Well, of course you're not going to see him sleep with Evans. It's still a movie from the 60s. It's just heavily implied okay, that he does. But James Bond, you'll see people sleep, you know. Well, this isn't James Bond. Yeah, but James Bond is also in the 60s. And so that's it's not true. like they wouldn't show it if it was happening. That was, that's where I'm going with. Okay, well, Look. people write us in at thespyfyguys at gmail.com about whether you feel harem describes these women or not. And I, I think there's just because we also find out that, yeah, the, the five from the last movie have all gone off to get married. Happily so, and so it doesn't yeah. seem, and he doesn't seem broken up up about it, and he, it seems actually happy for them. So it's, so for me, it feels like okay, there's assistance, and maybe he, okay, but I don't know. It just it didn't seem like a sexual relationship to me there. Okay, that's one way to interpret it, I guess. Uh, anyway, so Lisa's there already. They're chatting, and Lloyd goes to meet Flint, who is talking dolphin. <laughs> yeah, he's out in the pool. He's making those weird noises. Um, apparently, he's writing a dictionary on on dolphin language. Okay, so Flint in this part reminds me less of James Bond and more of Sherlock Holmes. Mm, I could see that. Where he's 
a renaissance man and he's always trying to learn new things like james bond never struck me as like an intellectual type who likes learning things just for the sake of learning or is that in the books no not even in the books uh but in the movies especially as it gets in you know further into them he'll be especially going into the roger moores especially but even in the 60s he'll be an expert on everything like expert on gold expert on butterflies whatever comes up in this case he'll magically be an expert in it so i was okay with that i don't remember him being an expert on butterflies well certainly uh, yeah, he's not a scientist service, yeah oh okay would you agree that he's not a scientist though no no he's not a scientist definitely not but yeah yeah so flint comes off like this he's also i noticed that he's wearing a short sleeve turtleneck which is an interesting uh fashion it's a choice. very 60s look mm-hmm and it's beige doesn't he mostly wear beige in this movie yeah yeah anyway so yeah so we find out one of the things he's doing he was also apparently an expert in is like sonic waves right so he uses a, a sonic device to move a pool ball on you know pool table and then also explode it yeah and he has like some long techno babble explanation about how it works and i was like is this supposed to be a joke like am i supposed to be laughing at how he goes on and on and on <laughs> or what i don't know why i spend so much time with it but yeah so in the meantime uh least talking to the the uh, i'm gonna call him the assistants I, I just don't like the sound of harem <laughs> see yourself well he's talking with the assistants like trying to convince them to come to the what have we said about fabulous face fabulous face yes uh day spa which is apparently right near rio so they're going there Mm -hmm. but flint is like i can't help you with your mission because i'm going to do this survival course in death valley (laughs) (laughs) which admittedly that sounds like something james bond would do because actually help him with his job Mm -hmm. you know we don't get to see a lot of what james bond does in his personal life do we Mm. he doesn't seem to have much of one depends on the film fair enough so Lloyd wants to wants him to look into it, and you know he refuses, and he even invites Flint to dinner. You know, at uh, forget what the name of uh, Luigi's. Luigi's, thank you. Yeah. And it turns him down. So, you know, I've got a lot of packing to do, and so Lloyd goes to dinner at Luigi's alone, and he sees Lisa there, but Lisa claims to not be Lisa; claims to be someone else entirely. Says so her name's Norma Benson. She has a Southern accent now. Yeah, she has like this whole elaborate disguise backstory, which I don't She's really a... get because it's it's like he doesn't know who Lisa is anyway. So mm-hmm. I guess it's for everybody else's benefit. Mm-hmm. Um. So she says she's a school teacher, and then she drugs him. There's a thing going on in this movie where if you're lighting a woman for a cigarette, you put and you're, yourself you put two of them in your mouth and then light both. Yeah, that's so it was so weird. <laughs> it was weird, yeah. Well, because so Lloyd does it, and you're like, okay, Lloyd is like, whatever. But then later on, Flint does it, too. So you're like, what's up with that? Yeah. By the way, this part with Lloyd just goes on and on and on. And I'm like, go away, Lloyd. You <laughs> suck. Go back to Flint or Lisa or anybody else. Well, Lisa's there. Yeah, but it's like she's in disguise, and it's not really yeah. about her. The focus is on him. And she's about to leave after he gets drugged. Yeah, so, no, well, Lisa's not going to get leave. She's still there. Well, we're not sure how she drugs him at first. Right. And then Lloyd wakes up in a bed in, like, a random room with with a prostitute. Right. Who is Lisa <laughs> in disguise? Well, so we, we have, an, I've analyzed this scene with a panel of experts. And we have determined <laughs> that oh. when he first wakes up, it is a different actress uh-huh. playing the prostitute. Yes. All right, but then later on, when we cut to the like the prostitute, yeah, when she leaves the, the room and comes back, it's Lisa again. So uh-huh. we're like, 
Why? And we're like, what? I guess so the disguise is really convincing, even convincing for the audience. I guess so. so. Yeah, so like he gets busted by like his mil I guess he works for the military because people yeah, in uniform show up. Basically, you know, whoever, whatever would be in the place of space force at this time, which would be like what army rockets. Sure. Yeah, they even have a camera, so like photographic evidence. <laughs> like, wh why? Why? Because it's all part of the plan. I mean, isn't the guy who arrests him? He's like in on it. I think they oh, yeah, reveal so that the, later. The person who arrests him, General Carter, is a per you know, after Lloyd is taken away in handcuffs, work is working with Lisa because they talk with each other, and then right. we have a meeting. With the president and Lloyd and Carter, General Carter. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the school teacher says she has no record. School teacher has no criminal record, and the school that she mentioned working for was shut down and turned to a training school for a special project K fourteen. And so, because yes. of all this overwhelming evidence against Lloyd, he's suspended, but he still has access to his office and to his assistant, whose name is something. Avery. Yeah, the young army guy. <laughs> yeah, Avery, Avery, yeah. Mm -hmm. So next we go to Flint on his trip. He, you know, flies an airplane, jumps out of the airplane, and he's reading the newspaper on his way down while he's, while he's so parachuting cool. down. And he sees the headline about, about Lloyd. He's like, oh, maybe I should do something about that. Yeah, so it's like, uh, this is a thing that movies do. It's like, if he's going on his trip and then he gets involved, why not just cut it and have him be involved? Because he's so got to have the refusal of the call in classic uh, Campbellian archetypes. Yeah, well, don't I don't like that in the Campbellian archetypes because it's annoying. <laughs> I don't like Peter Parker refusing to be Spider-Man because the name of Spider-Man is on the title card. So, you know, he's going to be <laughs> Spider-Man. So stop wasting everybody's time and just let him be Spider-Man. But it's all about the angst of it. Well, also, it gives us an insight into Flint's character where he is not James Bond. He doesn't help out because he gets told to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, he has his own objectives. He has his own thing going on, right? Yeah. So, Flynn, we never see him actually abandon his trip. We just next see him in, in uh, Lloyd's office. And he uses his watch to hypnotize Lloyd and think back to the night of the, at that restaurant. But it's not, I noticed... It wasn't like a pocket watch. It was like his wrist watch, which was interesting. Yeah, it has like lights around the side. Yeah. And so he you know, starts to remember everything and remembers the cigarettes, lighting the cigarettes. And well, oh, I guess we skipped over the fact that, they, you know, they did a test on the glasses that, he, that they drank out of. So it wasn't poisoned from like in the glass. Yeah, so he had to have been poisoned some other way. Yeah. So Flint takes like a snip from Lloyd's mustache and analyzes hmm. the hair. Yeah, see detective work. That was pretty cool too. Again, like Sherlock Holmes. Amongst it is cannabis and euphoric acid, so they got Lloyd high. Mm hmm So the thing I've noticed is he takes these ridiculous jumps in deduction deductive reasoning. I think that's supposed to be a joke, but it can often be hard to tell. Which reminds me of Batman sixty six. Sure. Because they'll do that. Like, it'll be, wait, that thing. Of course, Robin. I mean, the best example of this is Batman the movie. So for those of you who don't have the patience to watch the whole Batman the series, watch Batman the movie because it, it's everything you would want in an hour and a half. <laughs> you have the best villains. You have all this really good action. You have all the cool gadgets and vehicles. But the, do we want to do a bonus of, of Batman 66 for this? I can think about it. I guess it qualifies as a spy movie. Yeah. 
part I remember that they jump is when they're like, wait a minute, this crime happened at C, and C stands for Catwoman. So Catwoman that was involved. It, yes. Oh. So it, that's what this reminds me of, when he has <laughs> this ridiculous leaps of logic. So he, he figures out that someone's trying to discredit Lloyd. And mm-hmm. we see on the floor, there's a broken pencil from earlier at some point, but it's flashing a light. So there's a listening device in it. You know, flashing a light like these concealed microphones are supposed to do. <laughs> and so we cut to General Carter, you know, listening in on their conversation. So he knows to expect them. Wow, these bad guys are so smart. They're like a step ahead of them all the time. How could they possibly lose? <laughs> so Flint, what he, he sneaks in. Do we know this is, where this is? Is this supposed to be that same, like, secret place that they were talking about that was used the to be a school? secret school? Yeah, I guess okay. so. I assumed as much, but they don't really spell it out. No. So he's in some sort of facility, and he's sneaking it in. He has like a, a uniform, like a what you, like a custodian uniform on, basically. Yeah, he has this whole elaborate. Do you like the part of the double jacket? I was like, Christian, I was, gonna I like was this. getting to that. I was getting to that. So, <laughs> so he's going. He's driving around a cart, and there's you know the soldier who's inspecting the facilities. And so yeah, so at one point, Flint drives his car into a little alleyway inside there, or a little nook, and I loved the mm. reversible jacket. I ha- <laughs> I may own a reversible jacket, not, but it's only just two different colors. It's not like a uniform on one side and a regular jacket on the other, but one day, I want to just use that, and like... <laughs> it still be useful. You never know. The part here where he... So he's pretending to be a soldier, mm-hmm. but his ID doesn't work, so he, like, punches out the guard, <laughs> and then the guard's head gets, like, caught in, like, a sliding door. Do you remember this? Did that kill him? <laughs> like, how hard was that sliding door coming in? I don't think it was supposed to, but it still looked like it would hurt a lot. <laughs> it looked painful, yeah. So Flint is sneaking around, and he sees a bunch of old-timey computers with like with the reels and the tape, and mm-hmm. we have we see him find a heart monitor, and it's eighty beats per minute, and so he assumes they must be Russian cosmonauts. Why? Good question. Yeah, I wondered if this was true. We'll get to it. Okay. And we see General Carter and a bunch of his men like watching as Flint, Flynn, Flint, Flint. Flint, yes. Is going around. He sends the guards to attack Flint. Flint, you know, there's a big long fight. I got a little bored during these fight sequences. Yeah, it's an old movie and things go on for too long, including the fights. But there's a cool part. So, you know, he gets knocked onto a your classic conveyor belt with a, a furnace at the end of it. He gets off of it. There's more fighting. And then there's fight. I like the fight in shadow. That was kind of cool. That was well shot. Yeah, put that stunt guy to work. It's just two figures, one of whom is Flint. And one of them gets knocked onto the conveyor belt again and gets burned up. You think it's Flint, but of course it's not going to be Flint because otherwise you wouldn't have the rest of the movie. So the last thing I wanted to say about this fight scene was that they had many opportunities to use the Wilhelm scream, and they didn't. And that was disappointing. (laughs) I mean, the Wilhelm scream didn't really come into popular use until 77 with Star Wars. Oh, really? Like, it existed, (laughs) but it wasn't a big thing. Like, they used it maybe twice. Okay. (laughs) So we have Lloyd, and General Carter gives him, like like, a cup full of powder. Again, Batman the movie. All they needed to do was rehydrate him, and he'd be just fine. Well, and we we were told it's Flint's ashes, but why don't we have a lid on that urn? Come on. And why would the ashes be, like, purple? They weren't purple. They were, like, gray. They were? I thought yeah. they were purple. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. Anyways, and there's a part where uh, 
Avery, who's uh, Lloyd's assistant, almost like ashes his cigarette into the ashes, which I thought was funny. Uh-huh. And then they get a phone call on the red phone, and it has a very dis- distinctive... Right, right. What is that supposed to mean? Well, no, it's just, it comes up, it'll come back later in another movie cover, but also, it was the phone that sound from the phone from Hudson Hawk. Oh. <laughs> I was only like because I looked up the phone, like, because I was like, I've never heard this before, I know I've heard it in another movie, and also, my, like, local radio station... Uh, growing up in Hawaii, would use that for like if, if they'd have like a special caller from something. So was that, it like a common phone back in the day? This, no, it's, it's, it's no, it's famous for being the Flint ringtone. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It started interesting. with this. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, but so there's a phone call, and it's Flint, and apparently he's in Moscow. Yes, he's doing something James Bond would never do. Not even the the Roger Moore era. <laughs> Which is performing a ballet performance. Yeah, and so Camden, well, but before we get there, Lloyd tells the president, who, if you remember, is not really the president. So Mm -hmm. now they know that he's in Russia. So Flint is performing in the Russian ballet, and as he's performing, he's having a discussion with the the lead ballerina during the show. They said, we'll see see you tonight at the usual place. That lead ballerina is played by Yvonne Craig. A.K.A. 66 Batgirl. Yes, a.k.a. probably a bunch of other stuff from the 60s, but mm-hmm. I can't remember right now. Also, did you notice that she's, well, not only is she a ballerina, her name's Natasha, and she's a spy? Oh, you mean like Black Widow? No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't actually make that connection, but I noticed that <laughs> in her yeah. in her entry in the credits, it's Natasha the ballerina. Hmm, it's like, why don't you just say Natasha? <laughs> I don't get it. Well, yeah, so they meet in seemingly probably... Natasha's place, and there's some very 60s rock going on with like some 60s da- dancing. I kind of wanted Flint to be like doing the Batusi. He was almost there. We were so close. Yeah. Okay, we, I, you know what? With all of this, I think we have to throw in Batman 66. You know, they did just do the Batusi one movie ago, so we really shouldn't have gotten greedy. But <laughs> yes, you're right. We should we should cover it because we would love it. It's so it's such a great movie anyway. Yeah. He's, like, making time with Natasha, basically, trying to do, like, the pillow talk interrogation that we've seen. Mm-hmm. This is the part with the two cigarettes at once again. This is when it comes back. Yeah, but before that, we have, you know, he starts asking her about the Lady Cosmonauts. And why does she assume, why does he assume it's Lady Cosmonauts? Apparently, male heartbeats are 72 beats per minute, and females are 80 beats per minute. Right. Yeah, is this true? Do you know? We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> Cover it in our spy fact versus spy fiction. I want to know, but fine. <laughs> so, so Natasha says there's apparently two lady cosmonauts missing, and then Natasha tries to poison him with, this, with the cigarette thing again. Right, but it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work because he thinks about it with the cigarettes, and then he looks at the cigarette, and he says, paper has an ingredient that's indigenous to the Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands? Wait, this is where they're going. This is Batman 66 <laughs> all over. Yeah. Fabulous face is in the Virgin Islands, yes. And then the KGB comes in. I assume the KGB. And they're dressed like the stereotypical spies with the hats and the coats <laughs> and everything. I mean, it's Russia. It's cold. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. But apparently they've come in with orders from the prime minister who wants to give him a medal and wants to meet him. But he escapes. I like anytime he's about to get captured, he does some sort of dance move, dance fight move, basically. <laughs> It'll be something ridiculous looking. 
Yeah, I you're dance fighting. <laughs> so he starts, he does like a move from the ballet, which kicks one of the guys, and then he jumps through the window, and then there's a yeah, chase great. on the rooftops, which I was more invested in this one than the fight in the warehouse, because you mm-hmm. can actually see more of what's going on here. Yeah, you get to see St. Peter's Cathedral in the background. I was like, well, that's pretty good. You know, I know that's probably not actually filmed in Russia, but good job on putting it there. It's a little less tedious than the Eiffel Tower in Paris <laughs> scenes in movies. Yeah, but well, that's because, like, in movies in Paris, it'll show up even if it's nowhere near where the Eiffel Tower is. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I also like here where he does an owl call, and then he, like, <laughs> pulls the guy off the roof like it's uncharted. <laughs> that was pretty good. I was like, what is he like? How is the guy not figuring out that he's just like right on the other side of that? But, you know, it worked. He has a little device. It looks like a lighter, which launches a, a grappling hook, basically. And then he uses a grappling hook. He grabs, I don't know why someone had a pole. Maybe it was they were using to attack him, but he grabs it away from the guy and uses it to do a tight walk, walk rope across, across the grappling hook between two buildings. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. And then he goes and sneaks into some vents, because classic spy. Mm-hmm. And he overhears the Soviet uh, Central Committee meeting, where the, the Prime Minister is talking to the President. I was trying to figure out, like, all right, 67, who is... It must have been some kind of current joke, because the guy has, like, enormous eyebrows, and there must have been Brezhnev. some Soviet figure back then, right. Brezhnev I had ridiculous eyebrows. Oh, it's definitely Brezhnev. Mm-hmm. So doesn't he say at this point that the cosmonauts are missing? Yeah, so he thinks that the Americans have the cosmonauts. Okay. And they were trying to, he's trying to trade them for Flint because he th- he's like, "Oh, we have Flint." And it was like, um and then apparently the American president who is of course again a fake president says, "No, we don't want Flint. You can kill Flint." Then Brezhnev, I'm just going to call him Brezhnev because it looks like Brezhnev. I think that's who it's supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, but Brezhnev is like Oh, wait, no, we weren't actually serious. We don't have Flint yet. And so there's a whole discussion going on. You know, if he tries to escape, don't let him go to the Virgin Islands. He's like, Virgin Islands? We only have flights that go to Cuba because ha 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 communism. (laughs) Yeah. The entire Soviet Union, the only fly to Cuba. (laughs) Uh, Which, of course, means Flint needs to fly to Cuba first. Yeah. So he gets on a plane disguised as a Cuban. I like that, you know, yeah, everyone on the plane is Cuban, except for the stewardesses who are all speaking Russian. Not only is everyone on the plane Cuban, but they all look like Fidel Castro, yeah. including <laughs> Flint. <laughs> I, like, I like that. I thought it was, that was funny. And so he goes, he, go, he says, you know, he gets some cigars out of his jacket and tells the stewardess that he wants to go give them to the pilots. So he goes to the pilots, and then we cut away from them. And we go back to Lloyd, and Lloyd realizes that there's this conspiracy going on. And Finally. He re- part of how he realizes is he's, like, thinking, and he puts a pencil in his mouth and bites down on it, because he's one of those people. But he gets <laughs> shocked by it. He's like, and he's like, so, they realize that the office is bugged, and there's, like, all the pencils are probably bugged, too, so they throw it up while well, they get rid of all the pencils. And then Avery, this is, Avery's a smart guy. He realizes, all right. I movie about him. <laughs> so Avery's like, you know, I can, Basically, I can reverse the polarity and change a transmitter to a receiver. Not sure that's how that works. But I don't okay. think so. <laughs> <laughs> they managed to overhear a conversation with General Carter. He's putting nukes onto the space the space platform, and he says that these yes. orders come from the White House. And he says it's called Operation Damocles. And I'm like, we've uh, already had one Operation Name. <laughs> Stop being confusing. Just say it's part of Operation so, Duffer. <laughs> Lloyd and Avery missed one. 
pencil, the one that was broken on the floor from that we saw earlier. And because right. of that, uh, Carter knows what's going on. Lloyd is going to go to Fabulous Face, and Avery yeah, they all is going to go to the Mitchell there, basically. Yeah. Yes, except for Avery. But it, for now, we're meeting at the Virgin Islands. Everyone, all our characters are going there. Mm-hmm. So, back to, on the plane, Flint somehow has tied up the pilots, but who's flying the plane now? I don't understand any of this part. So is he trying to kill everybody on board the airplane? No, he's just trying to get away. But then... Why, why would he... he do that to the pilots? I don't know. Maybe yeah. the pilots would stop him from opening the, the well, hatch. But then wh- why not take care of the passengers, too? Because the passengers, you'd think, would be more likely to stop him. They'd see what he was doing. Well, he distracts the passengers by singing this Russian, having this Russian sing-along, with, including on the screen. Yes, yeah, complete with the follow the bouncing ball. Yeah, not the bouncing ball. The v- bouncing red star. <laughs> <laughs> all the lyrics are in like Russian in Cyrillic, so I can't read. I mean, I could probably read them if I've really figured it out. I've, it's been a long time since so I've had to read anything Russian. It's been, I, I like this part, but it was so ridiculous. It was, I mean, this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> and so we next go to Fabulous Face, and Flint's three assistants are there, and apparently they're resisting the treatments yeah. and the programming. Yeah, there's like mind control hair dryers. Because the 60s and women <laughs> in movies. But it's not working. Yeah. So they need to try something more drastic. Yeah, and they also know the, like that Flint is coming. Because they have that the president in there. Well, the fake president. Right. So, they, so because he's coming, they want they need to get the assistants out of sight. And this is when Mrs. Doubtfire shows up. <laughs> Mrs. Hiller. Which is Lloyd in disguise. As like a middle-aged but woman, yeah. I think he actually looks pretty through. good. Uh, yeah, I mean... Well, there's definite, some definite five o'clock shadow there going on. <laughs> well, I like the part where he comes in and uh-huh. these two workers there are like, that's what I call ambition, talking about him. I didn't know if they knew that it was Lloyd, like if they knew it was a man or if they were just judging Mrs. Hiller because they didn't think she was pretty. I was like, I, I don't know which way he was going with that. No, I think it's the latter. I think they're like, oh, man, that's a rough looking middle aged woman. I don't know there's much we can do with her. But as I was saying, I like when red shirts, like peons, you could call them, mm-hmm. like have their own personalities, like in Star Wars, when they're like, you know what's going on? Maybe it's another drill. <laughs> but you don't see that in James Bond movies where the the henchmen kind of talk about what they're doing. OK, maybe in some of the later ones, but definitely not in the economy. It's con- they don't the henchmen don't get any lines. Nope. Couldn't afford to pay them that much. <laughs> no, we next cut to flint who's swimming Uh because he you know jumped out of the plane with a parachute on so in the middle of the ocean trying to get to the virgin islands to fabulous face and we have flint's assistants who are put into the cryobiology lab and are cryogenically frozen i suppose that's one way to put them on ice uh, you know, when Carolyn watches and when we get to more freezing later, she was like, there needs to be an ice pun after that. And she was extremely disappointed there was no ice pun afterwards. If this were a James Bond movie, there would have been an ice pun. What well, does he say after 66. he kills Boris? Right. What does he say when he kills Boris and Goldeneye? He doesn't say anything? He doesn't say anything because he's not the one who kills him. I mean, he just gets frozen. He's oh, not, he's, like not there. he's fighting on the dish at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Anyways. So, Flint finally arrives on the coast. He starts doing some dolphin calls. And a dolphin friend helps him get through their defenses. And he swims right up to the beach. Well, not up to the beach. Well, he swims up to the beach, but goes into a a side 
vent, which mm-hmm. takes him right into the sauna. Yeah. Where, of like course, the there's... Credits. Yeah. <laughs> he swims through, gets in there, and then goes into one of the changing rooms of the, of the sauna, grabs a towel. Like, wow, that's a convenient towel right there. I mean, it's, come on, it's a spot. There's towels that, all over the it place. It makes sense, but it's like, it, like, it's well thought that I, like, I don't know, I like the thinking behind it. It's like, oh, I'll go into the sauna. There I can get changed. Yeah, because he's got to be dry. The super spy needs to change his clothes. <laughs> and they have a big, a big deal about him putting on this belt. We can see why I didn't, later. Recon- I didn't recognize it, I would say. But I was like, that is a... W- I did notice. I was like, that's a weird looking belt. Mm-hmm. What it looked like to me is like the belts that the Jedis have in the prequels. Definitely not traditional clothing. It's not, yeah, it's not a, not a regular man's belt. So he's sneaking around. He finds the cryobiology lab. And as he's looking into it, uh, Lisa finds him. Yeah, and she has this whole speech about how the cryobiology works. Mm-hmm. It's all about basically giving them sort of immortality. Can get awoken in a future time, 50, 100 years in the future. And I liked how Flint referred to it as basically being like a microwave pizza. Yeah, Flint's like, why would you want to even do that? <laughs> so she takes him to this nightclub or whatever. I was thinking more like an outdoor luau situation. <laughs> Yeah, some sort of outdoor music venue. And everyone there is like, hey, Flint, hey, Flint. And they're really into Well, apparently he's women. like very famous, so. I guess so, yeah. And we find that Lisa is resistant to his charms. And there's an interesting line here where Lisa asks, what makes him irresistible to women? And he says, I don't compete with them. I was like, what does that Yeah, mean? what do you think that's supposed to mean? I, I could have used some dating advice from Flint. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> and then they kiss. Even though they kiss, Lisa's like, that ends the suspense. Okay, I found it. You know, okay, you kissed. That's it. All right, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And Lisa lies that you know, his assistants left that morning. Flint wants to know about what's the connection with the cosmonauts. She's like, oh, what are you talking about? You're being silly. Yeah. She takes him to the office that we saw in the beginning of the film. She says it's very international and it's very all women with different power positions, like we said earlier. Right. And she meets, all, the, she yeah. meets the board is what I have. <laughs> We're directors. Yeah, yeah. And so we see them watching, you know, a, a preparation of a rocket on a monitor. Uh-huh. Flint figures out, and again, in a ridiculous jump of logic, that they're in charge of the space platform. He has all these questions, so she's, and one of the w- women on the board is like, all your questions will be answered tomorrow. And we find out that Project Damocles is using nuclear power as a threat, which Flint laughs at. He's like, That's, that would never work. First of all, it's not just nuclear power, isn't they're gonna put nuclear weapons on the space station. Yeah. And they could use it to blackmail the world, just like the laser and Austin Powers, all these other doomsday weapons. But then they explain here mm-hmm. that they have pure motives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're taking over, but they want women to run the world because women would do a better job. And Flint finds the idea hilarious. But then I like laughing. what they say. They're like Okay, how many businesses are really won, run by secretaries, wives, mistresses, when in the men you take a week for to Cabo, and well, the business sure. keeps running? I mean, the expression is behind every great man is a woman, but that doesn't mean we want him taking over at gunpoint. Maybe not a gunpoint, no. I like this part. So they're explaining, what about all the millions of other women who won't think like you do? And she's like, well, yeah. show them how the hairdryer works. Apparently it's got a brainwashing device in it. And there's a little tape reel. And they think, all right, how many women go to the hairdressers? And just think if every time they go, they come out a little more angry at men. <laughs> and Carolyn joked that, oh, this is how the feminist movement started. So, yeah, feminism was underway by 1967. I, I know. It, w- it was just a joke that my wife made. <laughs> no, OK. But it's like I'm sort of like it feels like my control hairdryer is pretty effective. 
Yeah. Well, they do, do it a say, little bit at a time. Yeah, yeah, they do say they've been working for a long time at this. And what about women who don't do their hair? Does such a thing even exist? Hmm. In the 60s? Hmm? Yeah, certainly in the world that this movie is creating. I don't yeah. think so. But as all of this is being explained and everything, General Carter arrives uh, with a bunch yes. of soldiers, and they say that we're taking over the operation. Flint finds out that the president is not actually the president, but an imposter, and apparently not just an imposter, but like an, a famous actor. And there's the joke here where Flint goes, an actor? As president? But is like, it a joke? This is 20 sure. years before Reagan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's just, it's just with context, it's hilarious. It's like Doc Brown being like, the actor? But that, of course, was in 1985, not 20 years I before I wonder that. if that was actually also a reference to, in like, Flint. Oh, to this? Uh, yeah, it could have been. Yeah. But so, a, a joke back then that's sort of like... I don't even know if it's a joke back then. Yeah. It seems like a pretty straight line, but now but it's really good. That time period in Back to the Future, well, I mean, in, in, it was in 55, which would be like 12 years before this, but as a movie, maybe it was just a joke in this, although not enough people would get that. I don't know. Besides the point. It's just a strange anachronism. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so as fit, they'd say, you know, take, take Flint to the cooler, and he escapes, does another some another dance move fight to get away from them. I also like his like karate stance. Or is it like Aikido or something where he has the two arms out in front? It's really cool looking. I'd have to look that up. I don't know, actually. I like it a lot. It reminds me of John Pertwee's Doctor Who because he also yeah. has like that similar fighting stance. I like the fight in the gym. The gym kata scene, I called it. <laughs> Come on, you didn't think of it on your own? I didn't. Not because I don't think about Jim Kata on a daily basis. Well, I also like there's a part where two guards are, are maybe it's just one guard, and he does like yeah. a flying kick where he like leaps across the frame. That was before <laughs> the Jim Kata fight. And then yeah. the part with the bowling ball. We uh, with the bowling I was like, ball. Oh, of course, they're going to have a strike there. Yeah, I liked it. I liked mm -hmm. it. Well, I really liked the um, trampoline part where he jumps on the trampoline and then grabs the rope, and then someone else tries to follow it, and he like takes the rope away and they just fly. Yeah. It was great. I couldn't the whole all the yeah. fight scenes in this movie been like that. I think the only one that really disappointed me was the warehouse one. That first one. Everything yeah. else very generic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he's like making his way to the cryogenics lab to you know, try to get his assistance out, but then he gets captured right there. General Carter's men put all all the women and everyone into freezing chambers into the cooler. <laughs> but because there's not enough, they put Lisa and Flint into the same chamber. So is this how they were able to escape? Because there's two of them in one chamber? I assume so. I assume that's part of it. As they're starting to freeze, Flint grabs his belt buckle, which we should have recognized as the, the sonic device he used earlier to make the uh, pull cube move and explode. So he uses it very slowly because he's starting to freeze to shatter the glass door of the cryogenics chamber. And right. he and Lisa escape, and he keeps using it to break out everyone. Which I'm like, shouldn't you just have hit the off button? <laughs> right? Like, can, do you need to keep shattering it? Can't you? I assume Lisa knows how to work this stuff. She could have just turned everything off. It seems like it would have been less disruptive to the people yeah. inside. But maybe they just like making a mess. <laughs> they realize, all right, we need to work together to stop General Carter. So now we have a new operation name. Operation Smooch. Which yeah, and they keep saying it. Well, it's kind of obvious. There's also a brief scene with the president in prison. Well, he's not in prison. He's oh. free now. 
we forgot about that, didn't we? That when what? Lloyd got captured, he gets thrown in the same room as the president. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He finds the president. Who cares? Anyway, yeah. um, they're like, the president, to the real president, they're like, oh. you need to help us overthrow the actor president. And then the president says very pathetically, who'd believe me? It's like, dude, you're the president. Say something only the president would know. <laughs> Forget about that, yeah. I mean, come on. Anyways, so they all get to the boats because they need it. It's across, in a, I guess it's on another island. Mm-hmm. So some of them get into speed boats or like boats with motors. And then some of them get into pedal boats. Pedal which, boats. Have you done pedal boat before? Sure, but it didn't look like that. No, I've done the one that looked pretty similar to that. It's hard work. Yeah. And there's no yeah. way they'd be, be able to keep speed with the, with the boats with motors. I'm like, maybe the boats, the, the kayak that they were at, but the boats with motors, there's no way that they'd be keeping speed with those. Well, they said the staff was physically fit, because sitting uh, around all day in a so. spot, I guess, makes you really strong. <laughs> but this part looked like a bunch of children leaving their summer camp. Uh, what I thought, you have Flint, like, standing at the bow of one of those ships. I thought of, like, George Washington crossing the Delaware. I did like that. I did think him standing on the boat was pretty cool. Pretty badass. <laughs> and so they get over to the island with the missile site, and the women distract the guards with their feminine wiles. They, like, one, at one point, one of them, like, takes has her bra on, like, a pole, like, when it's white, so it's, like, waving a white flag. Mm-hmm. But as they're, like, approaching the guards, um, and the guards are approaching them... They beat them up, which I was like, come on, they're not they're not just gonna I was hoping they weren't just gonna come up to them and distract them by like kissing them or something. But no, they once they get close enough, they beat the crap out of them. And then they actually had to stop Flint and Lloyd had to stop one of them from beating up Avery, because Avery's there. Yeah, and she's like she's like kicking his ass. (laughs) Flint doesn't even tell her, like, hey, stop it. He's on our side. He has to like pull her off. (laughs) Avery's with them, so he brings all of them into the control center. Uh President is it the president or is it Lloyd? I think Lloyd's the one who actually confronts the fake president. It's not yeah. even the real president. Yeah, I guess the real president's a real pushover, apparently. Apparently. I do like the part where Lloyd is, like, knocking guns away as he, like, mm-hmm. steps forward. That was pretty cool. It's not yeah. enough to make me like him, but it was kind of <laughs> nice. So the launch, con- like, they're trying to stop the launch, but the launch continues. And then Carter has two of his men, like, subdue the astronauts and steals one of their suits. Yeah, these are the astronauts on the ground. The ones yeah, who are who supposed are to be up. launching. Yep. Yeah. So Carter and, gets on the rocket mm-hmm. himself. And in the control room, the women all seduce the men to get them to stop, like, not shoot at them. Yeah, it's like Which a mass like... makeout session. <laughs> Though it is it is kind of funny when the actor president is like, stop it, stop it. Cut it out. You, you, stop it. I think he says cut it out, which really is not a very presidential thing to say. say. (laughs) Well, he's an actor. He's not the president. Like one of the soldiers in the background, you can hear him saying, no, I'm married. Oh, really? I missed that. That was pretty funny. I was like, wow. Wow, he's very loyal. But I do like when the acting president, he's just like acting. (laughs) As he gets like dragged away. He starts like reciting Shakespeare, Richard III or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once more onto the breach, dear friends. Yes, that was funny. So they get the fake president out of the way. This is when we find out that Carter's on the rocket, and he has a, sw- a switch that, if he pulls it, will arm and activate the nukes. Mm-hmm. And so Flint goes after Carter, tells him, you know, stall him, don't let him launch yet. And Flint finds the real astronauts. He needs them one of the, their help to get him into one the other suit because there were two of them. I think this part was supposed to be like rising tension, but I didn't really feel it. It was not really like, like they, what they really needed is they needed the countdown guy to have a more dramatic voice. Yeah, or do <laughs> just better with the whole ticking clock thing. Eight. Yeah, 
where the guy, the guy who they had was just not not dramatic enough. Flint gets into the rocket next to Carter just in time. Carter's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And Flint's like, what's up? I'm coming too. <laughs> and so it launches. The president authorizes some missiles to intercept yeah, the rocket because they realize if Carter activates a nuke in the atmosphere, it's say goodbye to the whole hemisphere, basically. Yeah, it's not only the stakes are like ratcheted way, way up. Right. But I like that they are like, Flint's expendable. We need to take it, mm-hmm. fire our missiles out, you know, whatever. So those launch, and right as soon as the capsule that Carter and Flint are in reaches orbit, they unstrap. But while they're fighting, they hit the joystick or something, so its capsule starts tumbling out of alignment. Yeah, I like they the zero-G a... fighting. I did not. Well, it was not great. <laughs> it was a neat idea. I mean, zero-G fight is a good idea, but they could have had them on wires or something to make it look like they were actually floating and not just sort of standing but pretending to be slightly affected by the lack of gravity. Well, that's what I liked about it, is that it was, like, slow and, like, intense. Because I'm like, how would you beat somebody to death when they're wearing a spacesuit and you're wearing one, too? It's eh. like, um... It's not like Moonraker. It's like 2001, where everything's, like, slow, but eh. the stakes are really high at the same time. I don't know. I was not very excited by this. This is, yeah, this fight kind of let me down. So, like, I think Flint uses the same grappling hook-like thing to, like, tie him up. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, like, so he ties attaches Carter. him to, like, the console, yeah. Yeah, or no, it's the back of his chair, I think. Whatever. <laughs> and then he grabs a backpack or something, so I assume, like, an oxygen supply, and opens up the hatch to the capsule door and mm-hmm. uses his sonic device to propel himself towards... Okay, when did the sonic screwdriver get introduced to Doctor Who? I think, like, very early. I don't think the first Doctor had a Sonic. I think it was either second or third. The second one did, because I watched an episode called The War Games where he uses it. He actually uses it as a screwdriver. Ah, I don't know if it became magic. I don't think it became magic until, like, later. Okay. I was just wondering, like, is this the inspiration for it? Because his Sonic device can do, like, anything. Yeah, I don't understand why it's able to propel him through space. Everything else was kind of legit, because you can use Sonic waves to destroy, like, glassware. So it kind of makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, but so he uses, yeah, he uses it to propel himself towards the platform, uh, the space platform, and mm-hmm. then the missiles hit the capsule, and everyone in the control room thinks, "Oh no, Flint's dead." But of course, just like the last time, everyone thought Flint was dead. He radios in, mm-hmm. and he says he's with the female cosmonauts up there, making out with them, both of them. Right. But down in the control center, there's like a scene where. The president is like admonishing the uh, the council of women and saying, you know, we had a close call, but you can see now the world is better in men's hands. And <laughs> the women are like, yes, of course, you're right. And then they all look at the camera and like and have like, a knowing wait. glance. Yeah, I was afraid because it's a movie from the 60s and it's not exactly the most progressive script in the world. They weren't gonna like lampshade that. Yeah, I was worried too that it was just going to be just like, it was just going to end with, of course it is. But I'm glad that they have that look at the camera and say, oh, yeah, no, it's not true. It's not true. Because not all that displaced in time is the scene in the original Star Trek where that one woman is like, Captain Kirk, do you think a woman could become a captain of a starship someday? Kirk's like, someday, maybe. Do you remember this? That's. (laughs) Interesting. I I choose to ignore that because we like canonically we already know that there have been captains before that. Oh point. my goodness! Star Trek messing up its own continuity. What a what a thought. <laughs> but yeah, in the movie with Flint in the capsule. Oh, he requesting a splashdown in Central Park. 
Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. No. Yeah, so instead of being on a raft making out with a woman, it's uh, in a spaceship. But it's with two women he, like, doesn't even know. I was like, so was was him and Lisa, were they, like, a thing? Or no? I think it was supposed to be the hint of that, but not really. Like, I don't know. They didn't follow through. Yeah. I, I also I did, like, they used the term Tavadich, which means comrade in Russian. <laughs> nice. All right, shall we get into our spy fact versus spy fiction? I have a few things here. Yeah, the main thing I want to know is I don't think it's actually possible to open the door of a plane while it's in flight. I think the air pressure inside is too strong, unless you have, like, super strength. It depends on the altitude. Also, okay. when people go skydiving, they have to open a door. It wasn't at skydiving altitude, right? It probably was, like, like what, 30,000 feet? Maybe we I shouldn't really know. We, don't, we don't know the... I mean, uh, we don't say it, so. Soviet plane flying to Cuba, we don't know. Mm-hmm. In the 60s. Yeah, in the 60s, So, which, I mean, they had jets already by that time, but still, we don't know if they were used. I mean, looking at it, I mean, they had, like, chicken in the, in the what? plane. Yeah, and D.B. Cooper parachuted out of the airplane, so yeah. I guess it's possible. Yeah. Unless he told them to fly it lower, which I don't, I don't know remember the details about D.B. Cooper, yeah. Anyways, but for spy fact, for spy fiction. So, Lady Cosmonauts, mm-hmm. a real thing. Mm-hmm. They actually beat us to having a woman in space by, ooh, let's see. I think it was probably a long time, right? About 20 years. So yeah. the first first uh, woman in space, Valentina Tereshkova, went into space on June 16, 1963. And Sally Ride didn't go into space until June 18, 1983. So almost 20 years exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, by two days. Wow, that's, that's interesting. The second Russian female cosmonaut go up in uh, 1982. So that is a real thing. We did not have any sort of space platform. I'm, 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 when they say space platform, I assume they mean like a space station and not just an orbiting um, capsule. Right, like the International Space Station. Yeah. Long before that, we had Skylab, which was launched in 1973. It was occupied, or well, it was occupied between 1973 and 1974, right after the Apollo program ended. But lastly, the pro- the one that you really want to know. All right, male versus female uh, beats permitted. It's yeah, I did want true. Okay. So apparently, according to a study by the, the uh, NIH, it says the human heart beats approximately 70 to 85 minutes uh, beats per minute in an average adult, which is a notable difference between the genders. Average male heart rate is between 70 and 72 beats per minute, while the average for adult females is between 78 and 82. The difference is accounted for by the size of the heart which is typically smaller in females. The smaller female heart, pumping less blood with each beat, needs to beat at a faster rate to ra- match the male heart's larger output. How can we die sooner? That, I, I mean, we take worse care of ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. No, nobody knows. This is a theory. I know, this is all averages, obviously. So, of course, there's gonna be, there might, there'll be cases where, you know, a woman, taller women will have a difference. But for an average, right. yeah. So it is true. Yeah, so I guess Flint's theory is mostly sound. I mean, the averages it makes I more guess, sense than most of his deductions. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's my one reason. All right, so he's once he saw the beats per minute, like he saw the heart monitor in that place. Mm-hmm. How did he know there were cosmonauts? How did he not know there were astronauts? Unless we just didn't have any astronauts up at the time. Probably because he was in the sixties, and he's like, women can't be astronauts. <laughs> and right, he was actually right though. Because they did have female cosmonauts, but didn't have. But like I said, we didn't have female astronauts for another twenty years. Yeah, so I guess it's just deducing from the known facts. Okay, 
Well, I mean, because well, at first he doesn't say female cosmonauts. He just says cosmonauts. So that's what I was wondering. But I can see this one leap in deduction. Yeah, the best one. <laughs> All right. What, shall we get into did you, hang on. Did you, did you research the dolphin talk? I did not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't think so. Yes, now it is time for our favorite quotes. This movie was pretty quotable, I think. Yeah. Do you have one? I do have one. Um, here, let me find it. Brain and hair washing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like the part where he's talking to Lloyd about the dolphin. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fish? You can talk to fish? And he says, whales, <laughs> sir. Whales, which reminded me of Star Trek again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also like the part where he's fighting the Jim Cod, the bowling ball fight, 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 yeah. fight, fight, fight. And then he runs into a bunch of guards and he says, shall we try diplomacy? I did like that. That was a good line. All right. So now it is time for our ratings on a scale of one to ten martinis. One being a terrible spy movie, the worst one you've ever seen. And (laughs) ten being the greatest spy movie. How do you rate in like Flint? All right. You want to go first? Yeah. There are a lot of movies that don't feel old that really hold up over time. And this movie is not one of them. (laughs) All right. I felt like a lot of the jokes didn't land. The fights were pretty good, but it was pretty slow. And a lot of the sexism was pretty embarrassing, frankly. I wouldn't want someone watching it over my shoulder. The army of bikini babes was um, (laughs) embarrassing, like I said. So I will give it a four out of ten. All right. I'm going to be a little more positive on this. I mean, I like because it is clearly a James Bond homage. And they get mm-hmm. some of the tropes in there without making it like literally a James Bond movie with just James Coburn in it. Right. Um, but and they feel I feel like even though yes there was a lot of sexism, they also had like a strangely feminist agenda as well. well but that's what these movies do. That's what they did back in the day. It was that they had like all these women as sex objects, but they're like, oh, the bad guy wants women to be equal. And we all kind of like the idea, but we're not actually going to have it happen. But I will say, well, this made me think, like, once once I realized that, okay, the, all the, the secret organization who's trying to take over the world is all women, it made me think of last week with Casino Royale. An idea nugget in Casino Royale that they didn't actually bring to fruition. One of and, many. Which they also ruined by having it actually be a man in charge of all the women. And, of That's course, it being true. Woody Allen. <laughs> That's also true, yes. So it also made me think about, like, and maybe it's explained more in the first movie, which we didn't see. I felt like that Flint was supposed to be like the, what was it, the anti-female, you know, device that they had in Casino Royale. The guy who disappeared, like, a third of the way through the film and popped up at the end, whose name I don't remember. Yeah, I could or see he, that. But that they did it better. And, mm. I mean, I was entertained by the last half of the movie, really, but not so much the first half. It was, I was kind of like, all right. It doesn't really introduce the characters that well. And I'm wondering maybe if we'd seen the first movie, it would have. Or if they also just jump into it like this, too. I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll review that a future time in the future. Speaking of a time in the future, weren't you going to tell us why we, you picked this movie instead of the first one? I will tell you that in a few weeks. Oh, in a future episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So stay tuned for that. So I'm going to give this an average grade of, it's gonna be of five. Because like I was entertained, okay. but... You know, obviously there's things, a lot of things need to be improved in the movie to make it really, really good. So yeah, I'll give it a 5 out of 10. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys under Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. 
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.